Welcome to Sozo's Podcast, a student ministry of Victory Family Church located in Cranberry Township, PA. We're glad you're here. We meet every Wednesday night from 6.30 to 8.30. Ah, check us out on Instagram at SozoYTH. just want to go box somebody and you guys are like ooh, well anyways (laughs) I missed you guys last week Ben and I it's always weird whenever we're not at church and so we're glad to be back because you guys are awesome and we love being able to spend our Wednesday evenings with you if you don't know me my name is Alyssa my husband's Ben he is the pastor of Sozo and we get the privilege of hanging out with you guys every single Wednesday and so if you've never met us or you're new, whatever it might be, come and introduce yourselves to us because we would love to get to know you. We don't want to just come here and show up, but we want to know who you are. And if you came through those doors today, which is every single one of you, I want you to know that you are loved and that you are welcomed every time that you come in here and that you came in here today with a purpose, that God brought you in here today for a reason. And so he's going to do something good in your life. So come expecting because he doesn't do, there's nothing that he doesn't do on purpose. So come expecting. Last week, Rachel Zabila brought the word. Didn't she do an awesome job? Woo, she did amazing, and I got the privilege to listen to it yesterday, and she started off our series, Fit, wait, what is it, The Fight? She, sorry, the series is The Fight, and she did an amazing job talking about the sword of the spirit and the shield of faith, and so I'm going to continue that series today. Next week, make sure that you come. Our dear friend Mark Consolo is going to be here. He's going to be bringing the word. He's an amazing communicator. If you've never heard him speak, make sure that you show up because I always love hearing him speak. So let's go ahead and pray and we'll jump into the message. Father God, I thank you so much for each person in this room. I thank you, God, that they are here for a reason. I ask that you speak to their heart, that my words are your words, and that whatever comes out of my mouth is exactly what each person in here needs to hear. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to be going to James 3.3, and if you have your Version Bible app, turn there, because I'm going to be reading out of the message version tonight. So if you have a regular Bible, you can follow along, but it won't be the exact same. So James 3.3. A little bit about the book of James. So this book is believed to have been written by James, the brother of Jesus. And James is writing to a group of Christians that they're going through some stuff. And they're the type of Christians that on Sunday, they look like they have it all together. On Sunday, they're walking the walk. They're talking the talk. They seem like they have it all together. But then on Monday, they do whatever they want, they say whatever they want, they act however they want, and they totally disregard what the Bible says. Because they think, well, hey, I'm saved. I said that prayer. I can do whatever I want. But James is like, no, 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 that's not the case. Because God is passionate about your Mondays. God is passionate about how you live each day of the week. And he doesn't want you to be fake. He doesn't want you to be phony. He wants you to be authentic. And so if you've never read the book of James, I encourage you to do so. It's only five chapters. And it's full of truth bombs. And there's verses in there that people don't like to repeat. Because there are those verses that were like, "Uh, I don't want to hear that as a Christian. So today I'm going to be reading out of James 3. 
And we're going to be focusing on controlling what we say or taming the tongue. That's the title of my message. I'm sorry, I'm not creative. I couldn't think of anything else, so my bad. But we're going to be talking about that. And so I'm going to hit you with some truth today. Is that okay? Mom. So James 3, 3 through 9. It's kind of long. Bear with me. A bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke, and go up in smoke with it, smoke right from the pit of hell. This is scary. You can tame a tiger, but you can't tame a tongue. It's never been done. The tongue runs wild, a wanton killer. With our tongues, we bless God our Father. With the same tongues, we curse the very men and women he made in his image. Curses and blessings out of the same mouth. Growing up, my parents have always had dogs. Any of you guys dog lovers in here? Woo! Sorry for the cat lovers. We've always had dogs. They still have dogs to this day. And they're more of like the big dog type of people. Not like a mastiff or a great dame, but the dogs have always been like 75 pounds. Like pretty big dogs that could do some damage. And whenever I lived at home, we would always take our dogs on walks. And if you've never seen my mom, she's this short, five-foot-nothing Italian woman that has no meat on her bones, no muscle. So she's very tiny. She's very petite. Not a lot of power to her. But when we would walk our dogs, it'd be her and I talking. She'd have that big dog on this tiny little leash. And if you've ever walked a dog... You know how they get. They see a squirrel, and they're like, squirrel, and then they try to charge after it. Or they see this plant, and they have to run and try to pee on it. I totally don't get that. But you never know when the dog is going to try to take off and go after something. So we would be walking these dogs. My little mom is, has this leash connected to this big, powerful dog. And the dog would try to, whoom, take off. And all my mom had to do was go, Shh, and pull on that leash. And the dog would get back in line go at the speed that she wanted it to, go in the direction that she wanted it to. Even though she didn't have a lot of power, even though she doesn't have a lot of muscle, even though that leash was super thin and that dog is super powerful, something little can control something big. And just like with our tongues, even though it seems like it's just a muscle, even even though our words seem like they're just syllables, coming out of our mouth, they have the power to direct which way we go in our lives. They can choose what path we go on, what course we choose, what course we go down, even though it's this small, frail thing that doesn't seem powerful. But yet, James is saying how powerful it is. It has the power of life and death in it. We can either speak and do evil, or we can either speak and speak life. And as Christians, our words are super powerful. I don't know if you guys know this, but whenever a Christian speaks, if somebody knows that you're a Christian, people are either going to be listening because they want to see you mess up, or they're going to be listening because they want to know about this God that you serve and see how real he is. So if you're speaking things and you're a representative of God and they don't line up with God, then the people you're speaking to will think that that is what God is like. So you hold so much authority when you speak. So don't 
ever forget that. But we have the ability to speak life over people. We have the ability to speak healing over people, restoration over people. We have the ability to see into people's lives and say something that they have never heard before. Or we have the power to speak death. Because all of us will be held accountable for our words. Matthew 12, 37 says this. On the day of judgment, your very words will be used as evidence against you. And your words will declare you either innocent or guilty. So that's pretty scary. But we're all held accountable for what we say. And last week, Rachel talked about how we're in this spiritual battle. She talked about weapons such as the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith. But this week, I want to tell you about a different weapon. And that weapon is your words. We don't think about our weapons or our words being weapons But we can either do mass destruction or we can speak healing over somebody. And so if you've ever seen any type of battle movie or seen any video game, you know that when people are in a battle, the whole point is to conquer something. To either get something that you lost back or to gain new territory. So when you see people around you... Everywhere you go, there are people who have darkness on the inside of them. Not that they're possessed or anything crazy like that, but because they haven't seen the light yet. They haven't experienced God's light. And so when you go around and you speak words of healing, when you speak words of life, you are speaking light into an area that has only been darkness. You are shedding light on an area of darkness, and you are therefore claiming territory that has only been exposed to darkness. So claim it. Go out there, you, you speak that light, say things knowing that there's other people's lives, eternities on the other line. And I know that some of you are in here, and as I talk about words, maybe you can think of a time when somebody spoke something to you that hurt really bad. And even as I'm saying this and you're remembering it, you can still feel that pain on the inside of you. And so... The crazy things with our words is that they do damage that we can't see. We can cause wounds in people's lives that we can't see. We can cause rifts in somebody's spirit that we can't see, somebody's soul that we can't see. There's things that happen that we can't see when we speak, but there are things that happen on the flip side when we speak life. There are things that get restored, things that get mended, things that get put back together, an area that gets shown to the light that we can't see. So when you talk, know that there's something happening that you can't see with your physical eyes, but it is happening in the spiritual realm. And so I know in that verse, James is like, you can't tame your tongue. And I'm not saying the Bible is wrong, but I'm going to explain what he meant by that. Because we can tame our tongue. But the first step is we have to fight. And we have to engage in this battle. Because you'll never win a battle that you don't engage in. And so this is an ongoing battle. It's something that we will always be fighting against, always be trying to do our best at. It will be an ongoing thing, but I encourage you that it is worth the fight. So whenever I was in high school, I wasn't good at this at all. In fact, I gossiped all the time. It was my thing. I had friends, and myself included. Sometimes we could be the mean girls, just to be quite honest with you. And there was this one time I can specifically remember that I was in a group of people and this one girl's name came up. And I wasn't close with this person at all, 
but I had known who she was. I had observed some things about her, and I made judgments in my mind about her. I had no idea if they were true or not, but I put her in this category in my mind. And so when her name came up in this conversation, I blurted out what I thought about her, and I said, I'm pretty sure she's a lesbian. And if, I don't know how high school is today, but whenever I was in high school, if you were gay, lesbian, or transgender, there was no acceptance. You got bullied hard. You were outcasted. People made fun of you nonstop. And it's something that stayed with you, even if it wasn't true about you. So I spoke this death about this girl into this group of people, not thinking twice about it. The conversation went on and I completely forgot about what I had said. Weeks go by and actually probably months. And I totally forgot about this. And I'm walking in the hallway, and all of a sudden, this girl comes up to me. She has tears in her eyes. She kind of is cornering me against the lockers. And she said, why would you say that about me? And I was taken aback because I couldn't remember what I had said. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she said, you told everybody that I am a lesbian. And then I remembered. And when I saw her face, I could see the hurt in her eyes. I could hear the pain in her words. And I knew that I had done damage. And to this day, I still have no idea how much hurt I put her through. Because high school's hard enough. You don't need other people making it even more harder. And in Proverbs 16, 24, it says this. Nothing is more appealing than speaking beautiful, life-giving words. For they release sweetness to our souls and inner healing to our spirits. So I, I didn't do this for that girl. I did not do this. But I want you guys to do this. But I love this verse because it says, you just speak these life-giving words and it says it releases sweetness to our souls and it healing to our spirits. So even if you're not the recipient of the life-giving words, it still gives life to you. It still produces life in you. So there's still this even more of a benefit for you to speaking life. It is both the other person you're speaking to and yourself. But I wonder how much our lives would change if we just stopped saying what we felt, if we stopped saying what we felt about anxiety, if we stopped speaking words about our depression, if we stopped speaking words about our stress, about our problems, if we stopped speaking all these crazy things going on around us and stopped walking in that direction, but started to speak what the Bible says about us. Because whenever we speak whatever we feel, we line up in agreement and we walk in that truth instead of the absolute truth of what the Bible says. So we have to choose, am I going to speak out what the Bible says about me, or am I going to continue to walk and live according to how I feel, according to how I think? Because however you speak is the direction you will go. If you speak love, you will walk in love. If you speak hate, you will walk in hate. If you speak chaos, you will walk in chaos. And some of us in here, we love God. We've been trying to do our best following him, but we need to take that next step. And guys, this is your next step. I want to encourage you guys to rise up because you're all leaders in this room. This isn't something I'm just saying for for funsies. I know that you guys have a ton inside of you. I know that you guys are called to more. And I didn't do this well for a very long time. And I want more for you guys. I want more for you because each of you are going to change the world. And this is a major way that you can do that. So let's continue on in James 3, verse 10. It says this, my friends, this can't go on. A spring doesn't, doesn't get fresh water one day and brackish the next, does it? 
Apple trees don't bear strawberries, do they? Raspberry bushes don't bear apples, do they? You're not going to dip into a polluted mud hole and get a cup of clear, cool water, are you? So you might be thinking, Alyssa, what do strawberries and apples have to do with taming your tongue? And so this, these scriptures are an analogy or a metaphor. I don't know which one it is. It's one of the two. And this is, in these verses, James is telling us how to tame our tongue. And he's giving us the answer. He's saying you can't get dirty water and clean water out of the same source. So you can't speak life-giving words from a, an impure heart, from an unclean heart. It's just not possible. So your words are just a reflection of what is going on in your heart. So if there's already impureness in there, if there's already a little bit of evil in there, if there's something in there that is not good, it is going to come out of your mouth. So this is the answer. The source of your words is the health of your heart. And this is my second point. The the source of your words is the health of your heart. So if we want our words to change, we have to get our heart to change. If there's things coming out of you, if you notice that you're mean a lot, you're cranky, you're nasty, you're judgmental, you're angry, it's because there's something in there that needs dealt with, something that needs healed, put back together. But the awesome thing about Jesus is he doesn't want robots He's not looking for you to fit into this box of perfection and following all of these rules. No, he wants your heart. He, want, he wants access to those places in our lives. He wants access to those hot spots in our heart that might feel icky, that maybe we don't want other people to see, but that's exactly the place that he wants to go because he loves you. He loves you too much to leave you where you at. And he knows if those things stay in your heart, that they will prevent you from living the best life that you can live. He loves you too much for that. And so James is saying, the reason why he said you can't tame your tongue is because you can't just change your behavior of taming your tongue. You can't just control your tongue by behavior modification. He's saying the only way to change your words is by allowing God to change your heart. Because we'll never be able to produce good words with a bitter heart, with an impure heart. God always wants to get to the source. He never wants to take, heal you from the outside in. He wants to heal you from the inside out. Because whenever he does that, that's whenever nice words will just flow out. And that's whenever you'll have control over your mouth. Anybody in here the baby of the family? Woo, babies. So perk of being the youngest is we get to watch our older siblings do stupid stuff. And we learn from it, right? Right. So my older sister... She is fun. Um, She's not afraid to say what she thinks, and she's very strong-willed. Kudos to her. But whenever we were teenagers growing up, she didn't have a filter with my parents. So one of the things I learned from her is when to stop talking. And love her. So I remember one time in particular, we were in high school, and she wanted to go to her boyfriend's house, and my parents said no. So you would have thought the world ended because she just lost the show. Tears were pouring out of her eyes. She starts screaming, crying hysterically, trying to justify why she should go to her boyfriend's house. And all the while, as she's freaking out, the punishment kept racking up. So it became not just one night she couldn't see her boyfriend, but two nights, then three, then four, and then eventually a week. And so as I'm watching my sister her emotions are just pouring out of her. I'm sitting there thinking, 
stop talking. It was like so obvious to me. Like she just kept getting herself into more trouble. But I could see the emotion that she was feeling because it was just pouring out of her. In Matthew 15, 18, it says this. But what comes out of your mouth reveals the core of your heart. Words can pollute, not food. You will find living within an impure heart are evil ideas, murderous thoughts, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, lies, and slander. That is what pollutes a heart. So James is saying these things are in our heart. It's not the things we put in, but it's the things that come out. So, Sozo, if you're in here and you identify as a Christian, if there is swearing coming out of your mouth, if you are saying crude jokes, if you are talking about people in a sexual manner, if you are making fun of people, bullying people, I'm going to tell you to stop it because that is just an indicator of something going on in your heart. And I want you to do a heart check because you are called to more. You are called to more greatness. And I know that about you, but I want you to believe that about yourself. Because if you only try to change your words, you're not going to be authentic. It's not going to be real and it's not going to last long. It has to be a heart change because God wants the genuine you. He doesn't want your actions. He wants your heart. And when we open up our hearts to God, he takes away that ickiness and he inserts his love. He inserts his value. He inserts other things so that those are the things that flow out of us. And so my last point is this, and worship team, you can come up is walk in love every day. Walk in love every day. James 3, 13, 17 through 18 says this, Do you want to be counted wise, to build a reputation for wisdom? Here's what you do. You live well, live wisely, live humbly. The way you live, not the way you talk, is what counts. Real wisdom, God's wisdom, begins with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with others. It is gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings, not hot one day and cool the next, not two-faced. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoy its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. So James is saying wisdom is being gentle and reasonable, merciful and consistent, not one person one day and another person the next being stable with our emotions, being in control. And you know that you are walking in wisdom when you're getting along with others. And so I'm not saying that you're not going to have haters. There will always be haters and naysayers out there, especially if you're walking to what God has asked you to. If you're doing what God has asked you to, you're going to receive opposition. I'm not talking about those people, but I'm saying if you have a hard time getting along with others, if you don't play nice with others, if your relationships are very difficult, you need to check something because being a Christian isn't about being standoffish. It's not about being mean. It's not about being prudeful or prideful. It's not about being those things because as Christians, we are called to love on one another, love each other. And if you don't get along with other people, that should be a concern. And I'm not trying to be judgy. But I've heard people tell me that they just don't like people. And I know that it's hard. Some of us are just more prone to getting along better with people. Some of us are more extroverted than other people. But the Bible says that the greatest two commandments are to love God and to love others. And that includes people who are difficult, people who believe something different than you, people who look different than you, people who are mean to you, people who say nasty things about you. Those are the people that we can love. 
Because like I said, our love is a weapon. Our words are a weapon. And when we begin to love the people that are the most difficult, when we begin to treat people with respect that feel like they don't deserve it, people are going to start to question what is different about them. When you start to speak life and love into people who have never heard that, who have never had that treatment because they've been mean their whole life, you're going to start to change the course of their life and point them to God because you are a representative of God's love. And it is God's love that changes people. It is God's love that gets people saved and opens people's eyes. It is not rules. It is nothing else. So it doesn't matter how many rules we follow. It doesn't matter how many times we come to church. The only thing that matters is how well we we love other people. And I know that this is hard. Sometimes it's hard to love people. People can be difficult, right? I know I'm difficult. But whenever you've had that encounter with God and you've encountered his love and you know that his love is deeper than anything else, that it is richer than anything else, that no matter what you do, God is going to be there ready to catch you if you fall, that God is going to have your back, that God is there cheering you on despite your flaws, despite your weaknesses. He is for you and will never be against you, that no matter how much you mess up, that he extends forgiveness, and that even when you mess up again, he gives you mercy because he loves you so much. And when you experience a love so wonderful, you can easily extend it to others. Because you've known what it's like to be on the other side. You've known what it's like to not deserve it. You've known what it's like to mess up over and over again. So when people come at you and they mess up again, you can say, I'm going to give you forgiveness because I know what it's like to not deserve it. When people come at you and they're nasty, you're going to say, I'm going to give you love because I've not, I'm not always nice. And when people come at you and they're just hating on you, you are going to love them. Because that's what God has done on the inside of you. And so I'm going to ask you guys to stand up and come back to the front as we go back into worship. And if you're in here and you've never, ever had that encounter with God's love, maybe you've even gone to church a whole bunch most of your life, but you've been riding on your parents' faith. Or maybe you're new to church. And you're like, I don't know what this love thing is. This is the time in worship that you get to encounter him. And so, guys, we're going to be focused because any time that we interact with God, that's an eternal thing. All this other stuff is temporary. But any time we have a moment with God, that is what is eternal. And if you have encountered God before, then what I'm going to ask you to do during worship is I'm going to ask you to ask God, what is it? What area of your life can you speak better? How can you love other people better? Is there something in your heart that needs dealt with? So each of you all have something to be asking God, going to God for. If you've never experienced his love, ask him to show up. Ask him to reveal himself to you because he's waiting, because he loves you. He's waiting for each of you, and he wants to interact with each and every one of you. So just close your eyes and lift your hands. Allow your focus to be on him. Don't get distracted and do not distract other people because you don't know what God's doing in their heart. And as we go back into the song, just focus on him. <laughs>